What's up, beloveds? Welcome to episode five of the Returning to Joy podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Michelle Leonard. So scripture has some practical goodness on going to battle against fear. So in this episode, we're diving right in with some encouraging teaching and helpful stories. I'm so encouraged that we have the opportunity to serve a God that knows us so deeply. He knows what we're going through currently and exactly what we need, even when we're not aware of it. I think this was maybe in October, November, but I was in a season of a lot of transition. Um, there was a lot of known and unknown things taking place. And I just felt like, like I was about to come up against some things, you know, up in my own heart and life and I felt like I was in a season that was ch externally challenging and I wasn't really sure uh, where in scripture I needed to be. I really wasn't really sure what encouragement I needed to hear, what I needed to be studying in the word. And so I remember one morning I just, you know, talked to the Lord and said, God, like, I don't even know where I need to be in scripture right now. Um, so I'm just praying that wherever I open this Bible up to, wherever my fingers laying on the page I'm gonna just take that as as you know truth that my heart needs to hear and cling to and I remember um, when I opened up my Bible I actually ended up landing in Deuteronomy uh, 20 verse 1 in the ESV version and it says when you go into war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own you shall not be afraid of them for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now that verse may not have struck you immediately as deep, deeply impactful, but it was for me. I mean, I'm not lying or trying to fabricate when I say that as I began to read those words, my tears just started streaming down my face as I read them. And it felt comforting to me. It felt like God was intentionally giving me counsel on how to face the days ahead. And I mean, line by line, as I meditated on that verse, I just saw his wisdom, his wisdom to me. And so I want to now like go through this line by line with you because there are some incredibly good nuggets uh, and practical truth in this um, single verse here. And I think you're going to find it really encouraging. But yeah, before I go in deep, just talking about this verse uh, line by line with you, I want to set the stage for the context. This is, um, this is Moses speaking here and he's giving instruction to the people of Israel. This is a on the verge of the promised land speech. Um, it's a farewell speech, if you will. This is a, Hey, last, um, this is important. Hear this kind of word for the people of God. And so keep that in mind in the background here. So let's revisit this first line. It says, when you go into war against your enemies, we got to pause and stop even right there. The words that stood out to me when I first read this was one, the win. It is going to happen. We cannot avoid a battle. We cannot avoid the fight. But the reality is, is that we are going to face battles. It's just the reality of being on this side of heaven. 
um, this side of the promised land. The other word that stood out to me here was that word enemies. So many times, and I myself included, I think we have the wrong outlook on that word enemies. When we see that word enemies, I think too often we think about our haters. We think about the people who don't understand us. We think about the people who counted us out. But we have to be aware that even that is a scheme of the enemy. Oh, the the enemy would love for you to think that your biggest issue is just other people. Because scripture says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. In John 10, 28, Jesus says that no man has the power to snatch us out of his hand. We got to stop giving people so much power. This next verse, this next line, I should say, it says, and see the horses and chariots and an army larger than your own. When I read this, I focused in on that word see that caught my eye. And I was encouraged by the fact that God isn't asking us yet again to pretend like we don't see that the battle that in front that's in front of us is a lot more real than what we expected it to be. And this would have surely been the case for Israel. A little side note here, but Israel's army were foot soldiers. They they didn't have horses and chariots of their own. It was, they were actually not never supposed to have horses and chariots because if you had a horse and a chariot, then that meant if you were in the middle of battle and you were losing that battle, you could very easily turn away and run for your life. Psalms 20 verses uh, 7 and 8 actually allude to this when it says that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. But the other thing, the other interesting thing, though, about this word sight or this C word is that it's interpretive sight. When I went back to study and look more deeply in on that word C there that's used in that verse, there's this understanding in that verse that it's a it's a discerning type sight like that. That word C could go so many ways. So it's basically saying that there's a choice in how that thing that you're perceiving, that enemy, that battle that you're going into, there's a choice in how you'll perceive it. For example, we have uh, Joshua and Caleb's story back in in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. In Numbers 13, Moses says, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. Later on in that same chapter, we see that eight of the spies come back and they begin to spread a bad report to all of the camp, saying that the land uh, will devour them and that the people that are in the land are of great size and make them look like grasshoppers. That was one way to perceive the situation. But when Caleb and Joshua saw the same land, saw the same battle up ahead, they said, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Same experience, but a totally different way of looking out at it, a total different way of perceiving it. So you can see the horses and chariots in your life. You can see the bills, the surgeries up ahead. You can see the constant struggle with insecurity. But as you're seeing it, Remind yourself you have a choice in the way in which you choose to interpret the situation. Then you have the next line that says, 
you shall not be afraid of them. This line makes me think of other places within scripture that say things like fear not or be of good courage. And I may be the only one here, but there's been so many times that I've read verses like that and I've just felt this weighty um, sense of I shouldn't or I ought not be afraid. Sometimes I read those verses and and feel guilty or ashamed for the way that I feel um, or for not having more faith or trusting more. I'm learning not to worry so much about the judgment of other people because I do a fairly amazing and great job at judging myself. And I'm, I feel like I'm probably not the only one, but I am over being under the weight of my own judgment because it's really hard to receive from God or under the weight of condemnation. The enemy knows this. He knows that as long as we're condemning ourselves, he knows that we're as long as long as we're judging ourselves, it's going to be really hard for us to receive from God the grace necessary to actually move forward. James 1:20, this is in the NIV version, it says that human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I don't know if you've ever read that verse, but I'm going to say it again. It says human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. That verse hit me so heavy in a good way when I first read it of just realizing, wow, like my anger, my self-hatred or punishment for what I'm not, for what I fail at, for what I struggle with, it can't produce the righteousness of God. Our anger does nothing. His grace His sufficiency does everything. Next line, it says, for the Lord, your God is with you. Hmm. Let that settle in your heart and just comfort you for the Lord, your God is with you. See, you don't need your own anger. You need his assurance. What you need is his assurance. You won't stand in awe or in fear of what's against you when you're able to stand in awe of who's with you. What you're facing, it's the little thing. But it's not going to look too little until you're fully aware of the God who is with you. I was in the middle of a contract renegotiation for a company that I was doing work for. And I had already sent them over my proposal and it was time for them to now to review it and decide on if they would hire me back on for the next year. I got this text message from one of the leaders saying, hey, are you available to meet with me at 4 p.m. today? And I immediately recognized that I was triggered or I immediately recognized that something had shifted in me. I had moved from peace to something else. And I wasn't quite sure yet, but I remember seeing the text message. I actually didn't respond initially. I put my phone down and I immediately just began to have a conversation with Jesus. And at this point, as I began talking to him, I realized, okay, I'm afraid. I feel, I feel fear. And so I just, I just asked him, I asked Jesus, I said, 
should I be afraid now before you before you think anything or or say, no, of course not. The Bible says, you know, be not afraid. And yeah, I know that. But we can know a lot of things in our head and not know any of those things in our heart. And so I intentionally was asking Jesus, why shouldn't I be afraid? I know the scripture says, don't be afraid. But I was looking to hear what is his now word for me right now? Because his presence is with me right now. So what is he speaking? And so I asked him this question and I heard back clear in my heart. No, I just began to ask him again. I said, Jesus, why shouldn't I be afraid? And I felt like I heard him say in my heart, because I am your portion. And when he spoke that over me, when he spoke that to me, I could sense and I could feel that my heart was encouraged and I could already feel myself shifting back from a place of fear and back towards this place of joy and peace. But there is also this understanding, this sense that I believe the Holy Spirit was given to me of I don't fully know or understand that word. The Lord is my portion, that promise from him right now. I know it in my head. You know, I know the Christian language in my head, but I don't know that deeply in my heart. So then the next step for me in that conversation was to go to scripture and to look up where is the first time that this word appears here, you know, of that the Lord is my portion. And so I looked that up and I'm actually not going to go into all the revelation I found from that in this particular episode, but just know that that conversation was that that quick conversation with Jesus where I recognized I had shifted from peace and moved to another place and recognized that it was fear and having that dialogue from him and then being encouraged and even knowing where to go in scripture to continue that process of restoring my joy and peace and trust in the father really did set me up for the rest of the day. I will say that when I did have that meeting at 4 p.m., that leader was did actually actually told me that um, they decided to not renew the contract. And it was so funny, though, because before he even told me that they decided not to renew the contract, I just began out of the overflow of my heart, out of the peace that was in my heart, beginning to talk with him about, you know, what the Lord was speaking to me earlier that day about being my portion. And it was so funny because it was the exact word that that man needed to hear. And he was he was shook by it and he was deeply encouraged by it because there's some things in his own life that he was wrestling through and found and he found encouragement in that word. But I just thought it was so funny of the Lord of like, man, who knows what we are? Who knows the divine appointments that we're set up for and the real reason why we go into some of these meetings I thought I was going into that meeting to hear a yes or no in regards to my future for the next year. But what I really was on assignment for was to encourage that man. And then, you know, what he had to say in regards to what was next for me was not really in his hands anyway. It was in the hands of God. Then the last line of this verse says, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt This is where there is a great benefit to developing a history with God. See, I've learned that the enemy will use your history against you, but God will use your past with him for you. Even the people of Israel 
had a past to look back on. The people of Israel actually just witnessed, you know, the chariots and horses and riders of Egypt being drowned. God had been with them in leading them out of the land of Egypt, and he'd be with them in bringing them into the promised land. This is the same for us. God has been with us in our past, and he will be with us in whatever present hardship we face and whatever is up against us that brings about fear, he will be with us in that. We are still going to move forward. There is no going back. There is only forward. Thanks for joining me again for episode five of the Return to Joy podcast. I think we had a good time together and I pray that you've been encouraged by what you've heard. Share this with a friend. Write a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast and journey with me again next week. Mm-hmm.